When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Xfinity X1 gives you the most complete entertainment experience with everything from live TV to your DVR to on-demand favorites and your streaming apps. Just use your voice remote to easily find what you want to watch. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required. podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined as always by Brendan and we are coming to you pretty much immediately after the Cubs and Diamondbacks finished up the series on Sunday afternoon or Sunday evening considering the game took 15 innings to finish. And Brendan, I want to start this episode a little unorthodox, a a little kind of like yoga or or something. I I need on air to just (laughs) do a quick, deep breath, sigh of relief. Oh man, Brendan! I thought that was out. I thought that was out, Corey. I swear to God, if that if that ball went out, (laughs) I don't know if I could have recorded this right away. What I would have needed an hour or two. I don't know. I could could not have done this right away. We are lucky, man. Um. We'll get to it. We're going to recap all the games in the Diamondback series as we kind of try to relax. Uh, hopefully, you guys are listening to this, you know, very late on Sunday night or very early Monday morning. My palms morning. are still sweaty. I just noticed that. Uh, like, yeah. I still I, I, as I told Brendan before we jumped on here, I'm like still violently shaking my leg. I th- That game took a lot out of me, a couple years off of my life, perhaps. But, folks... <sighs> What is important is the Cubs won two of three again from the Arizona Diamondbacks. They have not lost a series since that visit to Miller Park against the Brewers in early April. Uh, They have won 12 of their last 18 games, 12 and 6, obviously, over that stretch. The Cubs are playing very, very good baseball. They are 14 and 12 exiting this series with the Diamondbacks. So while it you know, quite literally took a lot to get there on Sunday, especially. Uh, We can all breathe a literal sigh of relief and things are going well. So let's quickly jump into these recaps. We have a lot of individual things to talk about. So I'm going to try to not break in as much during these recaps and and then we can cover it all uh, on the back end. But 
Friday's game, kind of a clunker. We we might kind of just want to forget this one. Uh, it was another first inning of doom for Kyle Hendricks, the Cubs, in a three to nothing hole early. And Brendan, I have mentioned this on this podcast many times. What is my least favorite thing to watch the Cubs do? Just give up runs right after you come out there and fight your way back. I think that's a Corey classic. That is a one. Corey classic. So Kyle that's Hendricks on Friday night. Not my friend. Uh, He did this twice. I I am big on the shutdown inning, and when the offense does work to get back in a game, digging themselves out of a hole, immediately ruining that drives me crazy. (laughs) It drives me absolutely crazy. Uh, But the way the Cubs got back in this one is rather exciting, and one of the first things we're going to talk about when we finish here. Chris Bryant hitting his second home run of the year. It was a bomb for Chris Bryant. He was hitting the ball hard all series. That made it 3-2. to In the bottom of the third, the aforementioned least favorite thing in, you know, Corey's baseball viewing. Uh, That run given right back by Kyle Hendricks in the fourth. Javi Baez says, okay, hold on, Kyle. I've got you. I'm going to pull this back within one. His ninth home run of the season. As we always say, it is El Mago's world. We just live in it. In the bottom of the fifth, though, Kyle got through the fourth. I'll give him that. Uh, But in the bottom of the fifth, Arizona gets three more runs to make it seven to three. They would add one in the eighth, and that would be all that she wrote. I think the big ones from that one, Chris Bryant hitting the home run there. Uh, Dylan Maples got into this one, had a very Dylan Maples outing, as he did on Sunday. Two walks and three strikeouts for Dylan Maples. It's a wild ride, folks. Uh, That's one where you need to buckle your seatbelt and that of anybody around you. But again, 8-3 to the final on Friday. But the Cubs get ready to win two in a row starting on Saturday behind a good outing from Yu Darvish. It started very poorly, uh, but in terms of command for you, Darvish, but he worked around trouble, limited the damage to nothing in those early innings, and got himself a quality start. His final line, six innings, two hits, one earned run, four walks, and eight strikeouts. Overall, this was a good outing for you, Darvish. We will talk about this in a bit, but I think this was what we were asking for, Brendan. This was not really a silver linings start. This was a quality start, literally, by the book, and he managed to work around early command troubles. He threw 56 pitches through the first two innings, but he manages to get through six innings, keep the bullpen, you know, without having to do a ton of work, throws 110 pitches. This is a good outing for him. He picks up his second win of the year. The Cubs getting their runs on Saturday on starting things in the third on a balk. But starter on Saturday for the Arizona Diamondbacks was Zach Godley. The Cubs traded Zach Godley to the Arizona Diamondbacks for Miguel Montero. And Brendan, I racked my brain all day in preparation for this podcast trying to think, did Miguel Montero have any big hits Hmm. during his time Hmm. with the Chicago Cubs? And, you know, kind of like a light bulb, it it hit me. Of course, he hit a game-winning grand slam in game one of the NLCS off of Joe Blanton. Thank you, Joe. We'll love you forever you, for calling yeah. that slider Love those again. hanging sliders, by the way. Love yeah. you, Joe Blanton, forever. Yeah. Legend in Chicago. Never pays for a drink in the city of Chicago. Free Lou Malnati's. Yeah. Um, and Miguel Montero also, after Ben Zobris puts the Cubs ahead in the 10th inning of Game 7 of the World Series, 7-6, to six, 
Miguel Montero gets a base hit that drives in the eighth run. And hmm. Brendan, this hmm. is like so crazy. The Cubs win Game Seven of the 2016 ah, right. World Series, eight that's right. to seven in ten innings. So all they won the World Series. Yeah, jokes aside. Uh, when I tweeted this on my personal account, you do get replies that make you question, like, Sad. guy, no, like, guys, I, I'm not asking this, like, seriously. I, I, I know that Miguel Montero got these hits. Like, some people are like, <laughs> yeah, he got the base hit in the world. And I'm like, yeah, guys, <laughs> like, this was, I was trying to goad at Cubs into, you know, sending me a gif or something like that. Credit to them. They didn't bite. But uh, yes, I, I, I am aware that Miguel Montero got these hits. I was uh, actually in attendance for both of them, as you listeners of this podcast know. But I will take any excuse, uh, cheap or otherwise, to mention that the Cubs won the 2016 World Series. Yes, they did. Uh, yes. And just as a brief reminder that, you know, uh, Miguel Montero did get an awfully big hit in Game 7. Hashtag we are good. Kind of like we talked about in that Dodger series with the Wilson Contreras spaces clearing double off of Kenta Maeda, where they made Maeda throw uh, near 40 pitches. Just that relentless approach, putting big runs on the board, making the Dodgers bullpen start to shuffle around right away. This was an amazing inning for the Chicago Cubs. Uh, Nobody on two outs after I believe you Darvish struck out and then the leadoff man Daniel Descalso came up and here is how the rest of that third inning played out. Descalso walked. Chris Bryant ripped a double. Again, I mentioned uh, he didn't you know, necessarily rack up the hits in this series, but he was ripping the ball. KB's back, folks. Either get on yeah, board now back. or the train is going to you know, yep. pass you by. But uh, Bryant doubled. Rizzo doubled. In that at bat, there was a balk that scored Daniel Descalso, who was at third after the Bryant double. They intentionally walked Javi Baez, uh, and kind of like when uh, they intentionally walked Wilson to get to Hayward in that Dodger series, this intentional walk did not pay off for an NL West team, this time the Arizona Diamondbacks, as David Bodie hit a 469-foot home run. Yeah, that was blistered. That was a bomb. Reports say that ball is still traveling through the Arizona night, Uh, (laughs) but that made it 5 to nothing, Cubs. They would walk Jason Hayward. We get a pitching change, and Taylor Davis, getting his first start, uh, struck out. But that was a wonderful inning, and only David Bodie's first home run of the evening. In the fifth, he would make it 7 to nothing with a two-run home run. The Diamondbacks would get their lone run in this game on a David Peralta home run in the bottom of the sixth. Yu Darvish uh, gives up that home run, but pushes through. Like I said, Joe Madden lets him finish that inning, finish the sixth. I think that is good for everybody involved. Uh, And then in the seventh, Anthony Rizzo adding his fifth home run of the year and a Jason Hayward single brings us to nine. The Cubs winning this one again, nine to one. On Sunday, this one was 15 innings, so I'm not going to recap this whole thing. Uh, Watch the condensed game, although at this point, the condensed game is probably as long as a normal game. So Uh, Jose Quintana was really good in this one. Again, not as good as he had been in the previous starts, uh, but still a good outing for him. And he almost gets through this one without that kind of uh, the big blow that tied the game, the home run. He goes five and two thirds, five hits, three earned runs and two strikeouts. He gives up two home runs in this one, a solo shot early and then the game tying home run in the uh, sixth inning. 
he almost gets out of that inning. The the uh, first run of the two that score on the home run gets on base. It was a, a bouncing ball on this Arizona turf that bounced over the head and outstretched glove of David yeah, Bowie. Not a so, fan of that turf, by the way. I don't I- do not like that. I think anybody that listens to this podcast know that most things that go on at Chase Field, Brendan is not a fan of. I, it's, I mean, it's a circus out there. Yeah. That just adds to the circus. Right. Uh, so Q really very close to getting out of this one and getting through the six. But still, another very good start from him. I thought he looked good once again. A lot of weak contact throughout the game. So Q continues to look uh, very good in this one. The Cubs... Okay, so three to three. <laughs> Let me break this down. Let me think of how to break this down. It was three to three after the sixth inning, and it stays that way for a very long time. I, I think maybe until the, the the these like late extra innings, both teams had three runs on nine hits and no errors, and it stayed that way for a weirdly long time. Um, the Cubs have their chances in this one. They waste a few. The situational hitting in these extra innings from really both teams, but especially the Cubs because this is uh, a Cubs podcast and nobody cares what the Diamondbacks are doing, uh, was not good. Just some terrible at-bats with chances to win the game. However, they come through at some point in the uh, top of the 15th, the Cubs getting things going. And this was a weird one. So Dylan Maples came into this one. He got the first two outs uh, in, what was that, the 13th, I think? Mm-hmm. And then he walked three straight. So the game appeared to be on the line. And naturally, what does Joe Madden do when you have a pitcher that can throw strikes out of the bullpen? You call up Tyler Chatwood, right? And Tyler comes in and was pumping gas. He was throwing 97-98. He blows J.R. Murphy away to get the third out of the inning and keep the game alive. And then in the 15th, after Wilson Contreras struck out on a foul tip, who starts the rally at the plate? Tyler freaking Chatwood. This was somehow, I don't know if we would call this one the Tyler Chatwood game. There are a lot of people. I think it is. I think it is the Tyler Chatwood game. Yeah. Yeah. He doubles to the opposite field gap. And Brendan, he ripped this ball. He put up a good at bat. He fouled a few off and he ripped this Against his former high school competitor, I believe. I think they played in the same league in high school. This was incredible. I I mean, he ripped this ball. Uh, He may have tweaked something on the bases, so that's not great. Uh, But it didn't look severe, if anything. But they do go to... uh, uh, Kyle Ryan, and then eventually Alan Webster in the bottom half. Pro- it looked like because Chatwood was not running super well around the bases. But anyway, Albert Almora singled him to third, and then Ben Zobrist with a bases-clearing double. And just to briefly I- explain this, uh, Ben Zobrist went to Joe Madden before the game and said, you need to put Bodie in there instead of me. Madden, I think as we talked about in the offseason, is doing a thing throughout this season where he kind of tries to lay out the lineups in advance, a few days in advance, you know, prior to the series, looking at matchups and who he would likely be playing. And I, you know, I think we agreed that that was, you know, a fine strategy. I don't have a problem with it. I like the guys being prepared. Madden changes the lineup a lot. We have a lot of guys that are pretty matchup dependent. So I think them being abreast of when they're going to get in there and what pitchers they should be getting for prepared for makes a lot of sense. Uh, but yeah. Zobris going into the office today, along with other veterans, we didn't get word of exactly who that was, and basically saying, look, Bodie 
was killing the ball on Saturday. I'm okay if you take me out of the lineup and put him back in there, ride the hot hand. Madden says, okay, cool. And I thought this was a really awesome story, just breaking in here uh, quickly. I thought this was a great story. This this reflects yeah. that Joe and his players have great communication. They trust one another to share opinions like this, and that the players are cohesive in this, and that they felt that this was something that would reward Bodie and, and that he deserved to have another chance to play out there on Sunday, even if this was a matchup that maybe uh, Joe didn't find favorable for him, etc. And we've talked a lot about how a lot of these guys, their success is somewhat dependent on Joe being careful with these lineups. We can't always just ask them to repeat big performances day after day. That's something that Joe does really well, I think. Uh, but I, I thought this was a great story. It speaks very well to what goes on in this Cubs clubhouse and how close this group is to one another. So I thought that was great. But I, I bring that up just because it's amazing and, and only, you know, maybe baseball produces things like this, that of course, after taking himself out of the lineup, Ben Zobrist gets the the clutch hit that brings in two runs here. Chris Bryant would follow with a sacrifice fly. Ben Zobrist going to third on the throw. They tried to get Almora, but they failed. That made it 6-3. to three. Kyle Ryan and Alan Webster would combine uh, in the bottom of the 15th for a very, very scary uh, win for the Cubs, but they escape. They, they, Kyle Ryan gets the first two batters out on strikes, but gives up a single to Peralta, a double to Christian Walker, and then a single to Caleb Joseph. Alan Webster comes in to replace him now with the tying run on first base, the winning run at the plate. Nick Ahmed hit a ball to left field that Ben Zobris caught pretty much as close as you can to being a home run. Um, I'm still recovering physically from <laughs> thinking that ball was a home run, Ugh. but the Cubs win. And that's the end of this I recap. They did that. Yeah. And the Cubs win. Again, they take two of three from the Arizona Diamondbacks for the second time uh, in a very short span here. They just did this last weekend at Wrigley Field. Again, they have not lost a series since the 5th, uh, 6th, and 7th of April when they played the Milwaukee Brewers in Milwaukee, and they have won 12 of their last 18, starting with that Pittsburgh Pirates series, the Cubs home opener. The only series that they did not win in that span is that Angels series where the game on Sunday is postponed. So I think, again, trying to relax from the end of this game today, the big takeaway is that the Cubs are playing really well. They are racking up these series wins. And, you know, we talked about this, Brendan, you know, when they went to one and seven on the year, the, I think our big take was we're not at all worried about this team in the long run because it's extremely early and we know this group is very talented and certainly much better than the way they started the season, but that it's just going to be annoying because unless they get on a really hot stretch here, they're going to be under or around 500 for a while, just as they kind of try to dig themselves out of the hole that they dug for themselves. But right. they did. And, you know, again, now they sit at 14 and 12, a, a little bit of a, you know, comfortable zone between them and the 500 mark. And it's lovely. It's, it's, this has been a really good stretch of baseball for this Cubs team. 
you know, some big comebacks, big innings, uh, doing it against good teams that were winning games. And I altogether am, am very impressed with the way that this team has uh, very quickly turned things around from that bad stretch. And we finally saw what the potential for the offense is when everyone's clicking. And we saw Javi, we saw Bodie, we saw Rizzo, we saw Contreras, we saw everyone really perform and contribute one way or, uh, or another at any point in these games. And that was that was fun to see. So I think that that was one of the points we were harping on when the Cubs were going through that rough stretch in the first week in, or two weeks. It was, yeah, okay, they are not winning these games, but Contreras looks pretty good, and Javi keeps doing his thing, and and it's going to be really fun if they continue to do that, and Brizzo gets back on track. So we saw the two homers from, from Chris Bryant. We saw Rizzo, you know, have a few extra base hits as well, and overall, I think with, with Bryant, he didn't get a lot of base hits per se, but there was a lot of hard contact, yes. especially to the right field gap and deep. And even a sack fly in the 15th inning of that yeah, final game, close. he's lifting He's lifting the ball. So we saw KB just you know hit the ball on the ground nonstop the first few weeks. He's back, Corey. I think Chris Bryant is back. I think Wilson Contreras is continuing to do his thing. I think Javi is continuing to do his thing. David Bodie looks a lot better in the previous few games than he has at really any point this year. Let's go. This offense is on point. Let's go, Corey. Yeah, absolutely. This, this uh, again, we, we we were saying it as, you know, over these last series where they were winning all these games, you're saying that it really looked like this team was rounding into shape. The, yeah. the starting rotation is is finding themselves, giving, you know, pretty quality outings day in and day out. There's, of course, you know, the, the, the games where it doesn't work out like with Friday on Hendricks, but for the most part, this rotation is, is delivering winnable games for the, for this team. And I think that that's the big key. The bullpen has found themselves a little bit. Pedro Strope has been absolutely filthy in his last yeah. several outings, just nasty stuff from him. Steve Ciszek was great in this game on Sunday. Brandon Kinsler continues to be very productive for this team, though he let Sunday slip away from him a little bit. Kyle Ryan has been a nice surprise for this team coming into games, throwing strikes, attacking hitters. It, things are, are rounding into shape. And like you said, up. the most yep. exciting thing is the way this offense is playing. Uh, and I and I want to yeah. turn to a couple guys that we've mentioned already, but I, I think the, the first topic out of the recaps here uh, is two guys who man third base a lot, and that is Chris Bryant and David Bodie. And obviously, you know, different situations for them. Uh, but like you said, Chris Bryant is ripping the ball. Pretty much everything coming off his bat at this point is scalded. There were a ton. If you go to, you know, the StatCast game feed, 100 mile plus exit velocities all over the place. And, you know, we've talked, of course, that exit velocity isn't the be-all, end-all, but Chris Bryant, uh, as we've talked about a lot on here and written a lot about on CubsInsider.com, he's got the launch angle thing handled. Uh, He's not, you know, one of these guys that's just going to routinely bounce the ball on the ground or something like that. Uh, if he's hitting the ball hard, it's going to be very productive in the end. That that's that's the key for him. So to see him hitting the ball that hard, he uh, you know he pulls a home run in this series. He rips one oppo in this series. He's taking walks. He's not striking out 
at a high rate. His his rate coming out of this series at 19%, which is phenomenal, again, for yeah. someone who yeah. in his rookie year was at 30%. Uh, and we've noted on this podcast, certainly the developments that he's made there, but good to see that trend continuing. He's walking at a 12% clip. He, Like you said, he's back. And he's back. It, it's, it's amazing to me how how much panic there was around him. And, you know, part of it, I, I understand. Like, he had the shoulder injury last year, and there's going to be some people who cannot be convinced that he's healthy until they see him back at those MVP numbers. But uh, we swore to you guys, uh, you know, from people that we've talked to and just the reports that were out there in, in the public that he was healthy. The shoulder was not a thing he was healthy. It was going to get going at some point, And I think we're starting to see the beginning of that. But what's amazing about Bryant is that for however many people who were, uh, you know, calling this a slump or he's doing nothing out of the gate, whatever you were reading, if you go read the at Cubs mentions, you'll find a lot of Chris Bryant takes that I would hope these people are smart enough to delete as the season goes on. Because otherwise, uh, they're going to get dunked on at some point. You you do not want those tweets in your feed if you're speaking ill of Chris Bryant. That's just a, a heads up for you. I'm not saying it's same I, with Rizzo too. I mean, those well, two yeah, go course. hand in hand. You talk bad about Rizzo, come on, you can't. This guy's been the model of consistency for this team right. since 2013. I mean, come on. Yeah, I'm not saying that I'm specifically going to go dig up your bad tweets and, you know, Not my share tweets. them out let's there. Clear, but, you know, I mean, that. I'm just throwing it out there. But I, what I was getting at is that, you know, for all of this talk about him to begin the season, like even leaving this game on Sunday and, you know, a, a 15-inning game is not great for a lot of people's stat lines. I think Adam Jones was 0 for 7 today. Um, yeah. Chris was 1 for 6, I think. Uh, he got hit by a pitch and had the sack fly. Uh, but a 337 Woba and a 108 WRC plus coming out of this series. And of course, that's not where you want Chris Bryant to be and not where he'll finish the season. But for as much as people are freaking out, like this is a, he's an above league average hitter right now. Like, so for, for, if that's his slump guys, you know, and, and people are freaking out about it, I I think he's going to be just fine, uh, considering he's better than league average right now. And he's got a 229 batting average. Like that's not going to stay that way. We've been preaching this, this whole season, like he's getting there. The, the numbers will come, but he looked really good in this series, ripping the ball, making good plays on defense. Chris, Chris is fine. That that's that's the main takeaway. He's back. Here. He's back. I, I do want to talk about David Bodie. Sure. I think the the series kind of highlighted what I I think sort of a roster crunch. And we'll get into the Addison Russell stuff when he does come back from his suspension. But in the current format of this roster, we saw the guys like Ben Zobris and a few other unnamed veterans kind of put their foot forward and and suggest and really want Bodie to go out there after a great game, which shouldn't go unnoticed by by us. And just looking at Bodie over the last week, and I mentioned this to you off the air and with Evan, I think, too, but the guy's adjusting like a lot within the last week. And we can pull out the video, we can look at the numbers, whatever you want to do. Everything is suggesting that He's going through a successful adjustment phase. 
And if we look from the first week of April, when Bodhi was at the plate, he had a close stance. He's a little bit different. Now you look from this past series and more recently this this overall week, he's kind of back to a slightly open stance and he's hitting everything. I know there were a few at-bats in that last game of the, of the Diamondback series where he expanded his zone, but the totality of what he's brought the past 10 days or so is a lot different. He's making contact better than a league average player. This is this was a guy last year who was whiffing at quite literally a faster rate than 25 or 75% of the league. So he's he's adapting, he's making more contact. He's hitting the hell out of these baseballs, Corey. I mean, that homer in the second game followed by that second homer in the second game, a lot of seconds there, that was impressive. So, you know, with his defense, we saw his defense on display. We saw Bryant getting more outfield chances in left field and right field. I think going forward, we may see that a little bit more. And I kind of I kind of like that. I kind of like getting KB out there in left field and right field because he's a good defender. And I think Bodie himself... I. Like, I'm not going to say he's a better defender at, at third base than KB is, but he's very formidable at third base. The numbers suggest that as well. So, Corey, I'm, I'm just excited. I'm excited that the guys are backing Bodie. I'm excited that he's going through a successful adjustment phase. And we know, look, this guy is one of the best athletes on the team. He hits the ball extremely hard. He plays quality defense. He's one of the fastest guys on the Cubs. I am excited to see him get more chances. And I think if he continues to do this, Joe has no issue putting them out there. The players have no issue putting them out there. Specifically, Zobaris, who's kind of competing with playing time, will, you know, unselfishly put himself on the bench to get Bodie in the lineup. That's, that's huge, Corey. Yeah, absolutely. And this is a guy too, you know, we went through this, the, the Cubs just extended him. So this is a guy who, you know, as you see. Behind every company, there's a time-tested engine keeping it moving. After earning his master's in accounting degree online from Grand Canyon University, Isaac's helping drive his client's business forward by identifying efficiencies and building business models. He's become a core team member, keeping clients on budget and ensuring their success. What do you think accounting careers look like? GCU offers over 175 high-quality online programs like this one. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Kaiser is off the chain. Everything is in one place for you. Your x-ray will be done there. The doctor will see you there. The labs are there for you. And then the nurses that work with you at Kaiser, they make you feel so at home. They're there to meet your needs. I would not be alive today if I had not had Kaiser permanently. I feel really, really great knowing there's a place that I can go to make sure that I can maintain good health on a regular basis. Every medical case is unique. Kaiser Foundation Health Plan, Midland Experts, 2101, East Jefferson Street, Rockville, Maryland, 20852. See him performing that way like he can be in the future plans here. So, it, I mean, he was batting fifth. He yeah. was batting fifth like with this lineup right now. That's impressive. But yeah, you know, this is a guy that the Cubs have under their control for a while now. So he's, I guess what I'm saying is there's no reason for them not to continue giving him playing time. It's not, you know, you look at at someone like Ben Zobrist and, you know, obviously the Cubs are, are hoping that someone puts some pressure on them as, you know, his contract is up and he's 38 years old. You're not thinking long term Ben Zobrist is the solution at second base. With someone like David Bodie, you know, you've got him for a long time. He's young. You're thrilled as he keeps, you know, sort of putting this pressure on Joe. Like, how do I get this guy in the lineup every day? And 
exiting Sunday's game, he's got a 279 batting average, 371 on base, 525 slugging, 380 Woba, 136 WRC plus. And like you said, this guy is such a joy to watch play defense. Uh, I know, you know, he booted a ball, I think, in the game on Saturday, but makes up for it very quickly. I think on the, the you know, like the next batter or whatever, he turned a double play. Yeah, but, those are those are beautiful feeds, by the yes. way. I mean, he's right in the running path of the second baseman. That's a huge, just great turn by His him. throws on those turns at on our money. third are great. His work at second base is great. His throws yeah. to Rizzo across the diamond are great from third base. He is a, a real joy to watch uh, play defense. And yeah, I mean, I, I I don't know. I'd have to really think about it. You know, I, I'm not going to say he's better than KB. But KB also looks pretty good in the outfield when you put him out there. He, he yeah, doesn't spend much saying, time man. out there, but he had a couple balls in this series in a tough park to play in in Arizona. You know, they've got the, the padded walls. They've got chain link walls. They've got weird dimensions out there. And he played a couple balls nicely off the wall. He made... Uh, you know, he's got a good arm out there. He makes strong throws to the plate when he has the opportunity to. Like, I don't I don't hate that defensive alignment, especially if it allows you to get Bodie in the lineup more and, and let him keep uh continuing to make those adjustments and and building on the successes that he's had. So yeah, this was a, a great series uh for Bodie. Again, you know, he goes he gets one hit in seven plate appearances in the game on Sunday, but usually when a game goes fifteen innings, a lot of guys' stat lines are, are gonna take a hit uh just as, you know, the game drags on and they're batting for literally the seventh time. But and he got a little screwed there on some of those batted balls. Like the, uh, what was it? The I'm forgetting my innings, but the one where Ahmed made that play to yeah. his left side, barely got out. Um, I'm forgetting who was at second base at the time, but he, you know, he got a little bit screwed. And that first at-bat, too, he blistered that baseball like 110 miles per hour straight over the center field set. So he, you know, he had a decent game today. Yeah, absolutely. And his first two-homer game of his career on Saturday— Loving it. It's it's one of yeah. those things where, you know, we talked about this when he came up last year. Like, I, I think I kind of like this guy, you know, and then he has those big moments throughout the year, walk-off home runs. Of course, the, you know, ever-famous walk-off uh, ultimate Grand Slam against the Nationals, and he just keeps improving. It's one of those guys who, you know, you, you put in those situations, you throw him into the fire, and he's made the adjustments, and, and he talked a lot in this offseason how he, he understood what his weaknesses were in, in that 20. 18 season, how pitchers figured out to start attacking him. And like you said, Brendan, he's making more contact now. It's, it's, he's, he's tried to make it's those adjustments yeah. and, and the production is showing. So yeah, sign me up for, for Bodie, uh, increasing that role. I, I do, you know, going back to the, the preset lineups and him not being in there today, I, I do like to always kind of make that point though, with a lot of these guys that Joe's, management of these guys, I think sometimes for a lot of fans, for whatever reason, they look at it as a big negative. Like why this guy, you know, was really hot for five games. Why isn't he starting every single game for the rest of his life? And I think with a lot of these guys, especially these young guys with not a lot of major league experience, I think that what Joe does is key to their success. And, you know, you look at some of these guys on this team, and I think it's big that Joe is so mindful of, you know what, I don't love this matchup for them. Like, I want to get them in situations where they can succeed at the major league level and keep building towards regular playing time. But, you know, a a certain hot stretch doesn't 
you know, mean that that earns them playing time for the rest of their life. Right. That's that's all I'm saying. So I think when Joe is careful with someone like Bodie, it's to help Bodie and to help him continue to grow and not just say, hey, you hit two home runs on Saturday, you're the starting third baseman for the rest of the year. You know, it's, it's more nuanced than that. So I, I never really have a problem when Joe is particular about these guys playing times. And I know it can be frustrating. We all have favorite players and, you know, the Cubs have a deep bench, so it's tough to get everybody in there. But I, I, I think that for the most part, Joe does uh, a really good job in in managing the playing time and doing the best to help these guys develop and 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 succeed in their careers. But the 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 player signed off on that too. Yeah, like that was a top to bottom decision. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, like Joe goes out there before each series and says, "Okay, you're playing game one. You're playing game two. You're playing game three. And that was something Theo wanted, or rather signed off on. That was something the players signed off on. So they they wanted this, and for them, it gives them, I guess, a little bit more relief, not having to guess whether they're playing. So if that's what they want, like who who are we to say that's bad? Yeah. And I think just to go off your example, like look at Elmora, look at Schwarber. I think if it were not for Bodie and KB, I think kind of opening our eyes with that power, Schwarber and Almora might have been more of a story. I mean, Almora has a four-hit game in the first game, coming off of that homer against Kenley Jansen mm-hmm. in that last game against the Dodgers. And then even in the third game, he goes out there and gets the rally going. He's the one who scores the go-ahead run with uh, Ben Zobris' double. And Schwarber had a good series, too. He had a three-hit games, any line drives all over the place. And those two in particular were struggling mightily. I think even drawing some some fans' opinions of like saying, okay, you know, maybe they should go back down to AAA. Maybe it's time to get them some everyday playing time to work through their little issues in Iowa. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing to think about. I think at, at times it runs through everyone's head. But at the very least, Joe in the front office and the 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 roster in general, they're working towards a common goal. Yeah. For example, I mean, Omora and Schwarber, they want to get going. So Joe is putting them in situations where they can get going. And at least in the short term here, it's working. I really do think it's working. Yeah. I think KB's been out of it. So it's good to see Corey. When I think with Almora in particular on your example, you know, he hits that homer against Jansen. He has a big game, uh, you know, to follow that up to start this Arizona yeah. series. I, that's a situation where I don't think that's, you know, the the correct response is to say, okay, well, Almora's in there every day now. Like, no, he, he's he's had, you know, some some bad numbers. We've gone over them at the, at the plate you know, dating back to the beginning of the second half last year, if he's having successes and you're building towards him, you know, getting better, don't, that doesn't mean you should throw him out there in bad matchups where you might go back to square zero then the next day. Like it's, it's a process with these guys. So I, I, it's all to say, there's a lot of guys trying to get in there on this Cubs team. It's not easy, you know, to to keep them all hot and keep them all fresh. But I, I do think that right. Joe has done a, a very good job of it. But an underrated job, I think, actually, just because yeah. the the his perception has been so negative. Sure, I think a lot of fans. I would say maybe I'm wrong here, but just my perception of this is most of these fans are turning a little bit sour on Joe. I, I or not trusting him to the same level they trusted him in 2015, I think. And I'm reminded of recent managers and recent statements by even like 
the Cardinals, for example, where Randall Grichuk said like he hated playing for Mike Matheny right. because Matheny would play the hot hand. Like if Bodie did what he did on the Cardinals, God forbid, Matheny would have thrown him back out there without any type of, uh, I guess, ideas from his roster. So for Joe to be approached by his players, to have that confidence, that open communication like you were talking about, that shows why Joe is still with the Cubs. I know he was not extended. I know there's some negative things around him right now, but this is what Joe does well. He still is one of the league's best communicators. You look how he interacts with his players. The players love the guy, Corey. Rizzo loves the guy. Look at him. He's always hugging Yeah, there's Joe. a lot of hugs in that dugout. Right. And, you know, it's to be determined whether or not he gets extended. But I think it this is a good moment to, to pause, right? We're on April 28th. The Cubs are two games above 500. They started off atrociously. They've really rebounded. And they've done so because a lot of the guys on offense who were struggling last year are now breaking out to some level. And that, I think, has some credit to Joe, to trusting these guys, to letting them do what they need to do to get better and putting them in matchups and getting them ready to go. So I just, I want to throw that out there. I, I think one unrecognized Success is what Joe Madden is doing this year. So far, it's working. Yeah, absolutely. We can debate some of his bullpen decisions, but that's a discussion for. But, another but, day. but I mean, it goes, it goes back to the point though, too. Like this is the, the this is the group Theo gave him. Like, yeah, you know, uh, we're not we're not relitigating that again. They're winning too many games. It's it's not important. I, I do no, want to no. just because you said it does seem like, and it's it's hard to tell because like obviously you end up in certain circles, even on social media. And it's hard to tell, you know, whether your perception is that of the rest of the world. Well, my perception is usually wrong. You follow the people in the Cubs mentions. Who knows, right? But I I, I do want to throw out one big positive, uh, and that is that the win on Saturday was the 400th of Joe Madden's career as the manager of the Chicago Cubs. A reminder, he's only been here since 2015. And... Since that time, the Cubs have the most wins in Major League Baseball. So he's been pretty successful, yeah. is is my point. Um, you know, you, you go back to 2015, seasons of 97, 103, 92, 95, and, you know, 14 here in 2019, obviously. Uh, hopefully, you know, close to 100 by the end of uh, this year as well. But Regardless of, you know, your opinions on certain strategies, this, that, or the other, Joe Madden has been very, very successful as the Chicago Cubs manager and far and away, Brendan, the most successful Cubs manager uh, of our lifetime for for two guys who were uh, in their mid to late 20s. We'll keep that ambiguous for you. Uh, But he blows the guys that you know we've watched uh, out of the water it's not even close so congratulations no to joe madden uh after sunday now 401 wins well deserved on well deserved. The, his career as the chicago cubs manager okay let's talk you darvish brendan yes. um my my opinion i kind of gave in the recap a little bit i thought this was a good start and i have been kind of hammering home in these last couple episodes uh a, a point that tony andraki from nbc chicago made in an article uh, several starts ago that it was 
time to get past silver linings, right? You, you know, you don't want to be unfair to the guy. And I think a lot of people and a lot of people in the media were last year, you know, ripping the guy when he was hurt, like very tangibly hurt. Uh, and, but coming into this year, you know, it, it gets to a point where it's like, okay, but we can't be looking at every start saying, well, it was, you know, not great, but, or, you know, hopefully this will happen the next time. And again, this start wasn't perfect, but I, I thought he was very good in this game and, and showed the, the fortitude to get through that early command troubles. Again, 56 pitches to get through the first two innings, and he managed to settle in and find a way to get through six innings, get the quality start, earn the win, and keep his team, you know, in the game. Obviously, they spot him with the five runs in the third, but in those first couple innings when he was fighting the command, the Cubs hadn't put any runs on the board. So, you know, you're thinking as a pitcher, like, I need to limit the damage here because, you know, my offense, I trust them to get going eventually, but, you know, they haven't done anything against Zach Godley here. So, I thought it was really impressive for him to be able to push through that. You know, he started with just, again, no feel for that fastball, you know, pitching in reverse, basically, where he's using the slider to get balls in the zone just to get strikes, which is, you know, kind of scary watching him do it. Um, but, you know, he's able to work through it and settle in. And, you know, he's still generating tons of whiffs, tons of strikeouts. You know, the fastball had a lot of life on it, especially as the game went on. The velo was good. And, you know, only two hits. So, you know, really, if not for those command problems, and I think it was Escobar that uh, had a double early in the game and Peralta had the home run, you know, only two hits and not a lot of hard contact in this one. I, I thought he was quite good in this game, despite uh, looking early on like it was going to be one of those nights. Uh, you know, you get the bases loaded already in the first inning, but he dug down, he made some big pitches, he got out of it, and then the offense, you know, rewards him for it and says, here's a five spot, buddy. Like, you know, now you can settle down and just do your thing. And I do want to point out that since we talked about it with Hendricks, I, I read through all of the things that happened uh, in that top of the third inning after Darvish struck out, you know, two uh, or two outs, nobody on base, and then the Cubs end up with five runs by the end of the inning, that big 469-foot David Bodie home run. What did you, Darvish, do, Brendan, following that? He struck out the side, one, yeah. two, three, all swinging. Let's go, you. Like, that's the stuff that we need. That's the stuff that we're waiting for. Your offense puts up a five spot, and you blow the Diamondbacks away. Sit down. We are winning this game. Let's move on. And again, the, the Cubs offense continues to add runs. It, it, I, I, this was this was really good. And again, it, it, it's, it wasn't perfect. And, you know, it wasn't uh, one of these, like, you know, outings that we've seen so far maybe from, like, Quintana or Hamels where they go seven, eight innings, strike out ten guys, no walks. It's like a just a beautiful, perfect start. But this was not a silver linings start for you, Darvish. This was a really good start. He worked through some stuff. I'm, I'm all two thumbs up from this guy for you, Darvish, on Saturday. Yeah, I— Look, I'm with you. I am. I think him Brandon's settling down. Bring us down, folks. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. Gonna- 
Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Xfinity X1 gives you the most complete entertainment experience with everything from live TV to your DVR to on-demand favorites and your streaming apps. Just use your voice remote to easily find what you want to watch. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required. Like saving bees, you should become a beekeeper. Like saving money on auto and renter's insurance, you should call Wawanisa. If you're a good driver, you should pay less money on car insurance. Great rates for good drivers. It's the Wawanisa way. Call 877-WAWANESA. I'm going to bring you guys down, but I am a little perturbed by the lack of fastball command. Sure. I am. I'm yeah, sorry. I just, I just am. Yeah. And like, you know, first off, credit to Darvish for settling down and shutting down the team when the Cubs put up a five spot. So I am going to recognize that. Like that, that is a huge stepping stone for Darvish, especially getting to 110 pitches. That being said, the first two innings scared the absolute hell out yeah. of me. And there's only been one start the entire year, Corey where Darvish does have his fastball command. And I, I don't I don't know. I'm I have mixed feelings on this because he did show the ability to settle down amidst command problems, which is huge. And you look back at those starts when Arietta was kind of dealing with his own command issues, yet still at the time blowing past hitters with his slider, cutter, and fastball. So you're almost reminded of Arietta when Darvish is doing the same thing. So that's a good thing. Like he's getting whiffs. He was striking out guys once again. I think he had what eight strikeouts. You said. Mm-hmm. So it's good. It's good to see that that his stuff is looking sharp. It's drawing whiffs. It's fool, uh, fooling hitters. But I need to see the fastball command. Sure. I cannot. Like for for me to be comfortable with you, not you, Corey, but Why Darvish. You? Yeah. <laughs> I need to see more of the fastball command. But it was an encouraging outing. I think it's a step in the right direction. I think Joe was able to give Darvish that extra push mm-hmm. by allowing him to go through that sixth inning. So overall, yeah, I think he does deserve two thumbs up. But you know how I am. The next start out, I need to see that fastball command. Well, and that's fair because, look, it's not a... a- a tenable strategy really going forward to only be able to get strikes with your slider, which is pretty much what we've seen from him in some of these outings. Like you're going to need to be able to get that fastball over, you know, especially because he's got such a nasty slider. You don't really want to have to rely on throwing that in the zone. He's so good. That pitch is so nasty, you know, when he's able to get in one strike or two strike counts and bury it where it fades just under that zone and the hitters have you know, no chance at it, uh, you know, especially to righties. And you want him to be able to use it like that, not sitting on the mound, focusing on using that pitch just to avoid walking people. So yeah, 100%, you want to see that get better going forward. But Mm -hmm. I, you know, I am very happy that he was able to, you know, have that problem, but find a way to get through it. So, you know what's kind of weird? He threw. I'm, I'm going to harp on this point, but I sorry, I just am. But he threw 60 sliders or cutters. That's a, that's, <laughs> that's a lot. It's a, a lot of breaking pitches, yeah. Corey. So, and I'm just looking at his like his his fastball per you know per pitch basically. 
it's all over the place in terms of velocity again. His minimum was 90 miles per hour. His maximum was 98. And then it's just, you know, it's going up and down the graph like crazy. So it's kind of the same thing that we saw in his outing before the Diamondbacks where he was throwing like at times 97. Next thing you know, he's throwing 91, 92 for whatever reason. So it, I don't know what the solution is. I don't know what the problem is, if there is a problem, but just... I want to see 94 to 96 consistently in the zone. Call me greedy, whatever. But for, for me to be like, okay, you Darvish sure. is back. We're going to have to see the fastball command. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's fair. So uh, just, you know, quickly talking about the the other guys that threw in this series. Uh, it was just one of those starts for Hendrick. He just wasn't able to locate, Everything's uh, up especially, again. you know, his yep. fastball leaving way too much uh, up and over the middle of the plate you know, kind of gets uh, a little unlucky in in that first inning there, uh, you know, some weak contact that found holes, and then a really, a 38-year-old man looking effort from Ben Zobrist on uh, a two-run single. But ultimately, he just wasn't missing, you know, bats like we've seen him do. And, you know, part of the problem is even if you're allowing soft contact, if you're allowing contact, sometimes it's, you know, you're going to get babbipped, right? So, you know, and he talked about it after the game. He, you know, Kyle is, is a very cerebral pitcher. So he knows right away and he doesn't really, uh, you know, BS you in those post-game interviews. He's just like, yeah, that I, you know, just no conviction on some of these pitches. Couldn't yeah, find he said my he spots. A, he said he had a poor mental approach yeah, or whatever. Just, just yeah. what it was. So it's just one of those starts, but it's, it's odd because he, you know, struck out, I think 11 Diamondbacks literally the last weekend. So it was a, a weird kind of juxtaposition of, of two starts against the same team. Cause he was really good with the command and, you know, filthy, as we always talk about with him, changing eye levels, changing speeds. And then he faces the same team and he's leaving way too many pitches uh, up and over the middle of the plate. But such is life. Yeah. Uh, going to Quintana, again, like not as good as we've seen him to start this year, but still a very good start. And I I, I think different, Brendan, from the, the bad starts or frustrating starts from him in 2018. No walks again in this one. And again, like in 2018, it, it felt like so many times he, you know, was trying to be so careful, like not attacking hitters, nipping at the edges of the zone. And if he wasn't able to, you know, nail them and paint, he was going to be walking people, long at bats, high pitch counts, and that's not what we've seen from him. And, and even in a game on uh, Saturday, or excuse me, uh, Sunday, where it, the, the, the game on Sunday was so long, I literally did not remember just now that Quintana was the one that started it. Um, Isn't that wild? Yeah, but you know, he only throws 84 pitches. Like he could have kept going. I think Joe, you know, the hard contact was coming. We were getting to the middle of that Diamondbacks order again with some guys that are hot in that order and you know he made the decision to go to the bullpen but it, it's not that same cue that that we saw when we were kind of getting frustrated with him last year and just to read through his last four starts going back to uh that shutout he threw against the Pittsburgh Pirates on the 11th of April at Wrigley Field these last four starts right? His line, 26.2 innings, 19 hits allowed, five earned runs, just three walks, and 27 strikeouts. Wow. Yep. I, if if this is the cue we're getting all season, like, giddy up, boys, because this, he just looks like a different guy. He looks more confident. He was throing, uh, 
that change up a lot again that we've mentioned and you know for him it it does look like you know being able to mix another pitch in there keep hitters off balance a little bit he just looks different he looks better and 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 you know that line that's four starts and that includes you know a start against Pittsburgh uh who's been you know winning games so far in 2019 it includes a win over the Dodgers you know whose offense uh is almost always near the top of the league uh in these last several years and Arizona who again you know like I we've said like I I don't know that Arizona is going to be in the thick of it uh in the National League come the end of the year but you know exiting this series with the Cubs are 16 13 like yeah and, they were playing hot they had a five game win streak yeah, before and, the Cubs and, and uh, broke that up also just to note in that just throwing this in there like the Diamondbacks are 16 and 13 right now four mm-hmm. of those losses have come to the Chicago Cubs in the last mm-hmm. week so they're yep. beating other people and they couldn't beat the Cubs uh you know other than taking one of three in every series so that's just another one of those like the Cubs are playing very good right now and you know uh, they're on one right now but it's all just to say, you know, we got Lester back, Hamels has been looking good, and, you know, again, you're, you're going to have those outings, uh, not just from Hendricks, but from really everybody in the rotation from time to time, but this rotation looks good, and, uh, you know, at least in the early going here, I'm feeling very good about being one of the people who was confident in this rotation and, and not you know, thinking that uh, they were too old or they didn't have, you know, the velo guys or what, whatever. I, you know, was always pretty confident in this rotation that they may not necessarily be the best in the league, but one to five, I feel very good about these guys going out there every day and the Cubs having a chance to win. And they've done more than that, Brendan. They've been very good on the whole. I thought Q looked pretty good, too. And one thing to note, he did not walk anyone in his start against the Diamondbacks. So I know he got roughed up up a little bit, but he's doing so by throwing strikes. Mm -hmm. So at the very least, you know, I'm not going to complain too much when the guy's going out there and throwing strikes. So overall, I'm encouraged still with Q. I think he's done an exceptional job adapting to what he should be adapting to. He's throwing more change-ups, as we've mentioned. He just looks good. He has better command. And so it's really a matter of getting Darvish on track and getting Hendricks on track. I think with Hendricks, he threw too many fastballs over the middle of the plate again. He left everything up. And he said it himself. It was a poor mental approach. I have no, like, I approach Hendricks like I approach KB. It's just at some point, you trust the track record. And yeah, and you trust that that changeup is going to play once that fastball gets down into the zone. And Kyle is going to figure it out. It'd be one thing if he was going out there throwing 82, 83 miles per hour, but he's doing the same thing. He's showcasing the same stuff that he's always showcased. So I have zero, zero concerns about Hendricks. And again, it just comes down to getting Darvish back to where he was when he was with Texas and even the Dodgers during that short stretch. So wait, Brandon, just before you jump into this series, uh, we didn't talk about him uh, as much in this one. So I, I just, before you jump into this series, I just want to quickly do an update, uh, on one El Mago. Um, just yeah. because I, I, you know, I he feel, deserves it. He deserves yeah, it. I feel uncomfortable not continuing to gush over him, uh, a little bit just in this early going, as I mentioned in this series, he hits his ninth home run of the year. He's got 22 runs batted in a 315 batting average, 356 on base, 640 slugging, 406 Wobo, 153 WRC plus. 
man, like just what a joy to watch on a daily basis uh, that Javi Baez is. And it's it's yeah. funny too, because like this is one of those series where he does, you know, he hits a bomb, his numbers are still amazing. And like, you know, somehow this is kind of like just a blase series, right, for Javi. Like, yeah, I guess he was good. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, because in some of these other series, he's on a, on, you know, a totally separate planet. And yeah. We, you know, again, just throwing this out there, we still see Jason Hayward coming through and, you know, getting hits, being productive. He's still at a 400 Woba and a 149 WRC plus coming out of this Arizona series. Coming out of this Arizona series, he still has a 17.5% walk rate to a 12.4% K rate. Jason Hayward continuing to look good. So I know that like, you know, for me and you, I think like, KB, Rizzo, Bodie, those guys, you know, Bodie staying hot, KB and Rizzo, you know, lifting up their numbers. You know, I think like Rizzo's OPS uh, after Saturday's game at least was, you know, like 820 something. And you're like, okay, these numbers are getting back to a more normal looking level here. Uh, But I I, I just didn't want to let it go by, you know, the wayside here that Javi's still doing his thing, and Jason Hayward is is still in the midst of this, you know, really nice uh, comeback season, if you will. So again, like this offense is getting to be that really well-oiled machine. And you know, again, like I mentioned in the recap, some some frustrating at bats in in this game on Sunday. You know, not cashing in on big chances, but on the whole, overall, I, I think you'd be uh, you'd have to be being willfully. Uh, disingenuous to not notice that this offense is definitely in a different place than they were different, right? Last it feels year. a lot different. Like th- yeah. this is clearly an offense. If you want to use the word fixed, however you want to phrase that, right? But we're just not seeing the you know that kind of lame experience that we got. And again, it's not to put it all on Chili Davis, but. To put it all but on Chili Davis, kind of right? Uh, no, but again, I, I just think that, you know, because that was such a concern in this offseason, you know, and we didn't see that much change other than, you know, someone like Daniel Descalso, who's been fantastic, a, a great addition to this team. Yeah, you know, I love He had Descalso. some big hits in this series as well. Uh, but I, I do think it's worth pointing out, you know, that as we're through, um, you know, almost the full f- first full month of the season like this offense is in a better place I think that's very clear to the naked eye here yeah no doubt okay so let's preview the series against the Seattle Mariners I I know I don't remember the last time they were in Seattle I don't like these two game sets Brendan there's something that just feels unnatural about it yeah it it feels weird but it, it is what it is but anyway okay so the Cubs have an off day on Monday. They probably will fly to Seattle, I'm guessing, Sunday evening. So they can relax on Monday. Let me They'll check return. Pedro Strope's Instagram story <laughs> real quick. We can probably yeah, answer that question just by that. Yeah. So uh, the Cubs will, will return to the Diamond Tuesday night. It's going to be a late one, folks. It's going to start at 9, 10 p.m. Central Time. Personally, for me, Corey and I are on the West Coast. I don't mind those start times. So I'm kind of happy with that. So 9, 10 p.m., you have Cole Hamels on the mound for the Cubs, 3-0, a 3.16 ERA. We'll be facing Felix Hernandez for the Mariners, who is 1-2 with a 3.91 ERA. Of course, we know Felix from his very good years in the early 2010s. Recently, though, he's aged. He's not throwing as fast as he used to be, just not the same guy. But still fun to see. He's one of the, I guess, legends of that era in terms of pitching. And so to finish up the two-game set, 
The Cubs will return to Seattle Wednesday for another weird start time, 5.40 p.m. Central, but for the West Coast guys, 3.40 p.m., so kind of weird. Yeah, Yeah, it's really weird. So John Lester will take the mound. He's 1-1 with a 2.37 ERA. His second start back from the injured list from that hamstring injury. He'll be facing Marco Gonzalez, who's having an exceptional start to the year, Corey. Gonzalez is 5-0 with a 2.8 ERA. And just the Mariners in general are surprisingly good this year. They're 18-13. Granted, they're a little bit cooler than they were to start the year, but they're still five games above 500, still playing well. All right, so let me paint a picture of where the Cubs are in the NL Central right now. So the Cardinals stand atop the division, unfortunately, at a 17-10 mark. They're two and a half games up on the Cubs, who are 14-12. The Cubs are above the Brewers, who are 15-14, and three games back of the Cardinals, half a game back of the Cubs. The Pirates are 12-14, four and a half games back of the Cardinals, two games back of the Cubs, and then Cincinnati is in the cellar, where they probably will be the entire year, maybe flopping back and forth with the Pittsburgh but the Reds are 11 and 16, and they are six games back from first place. So that's where we are. We have no update currently of what happened to Tyler Chatwood, unless I'm missing something here, Corey. So we'll be looking for that. We'll be looking to see how Lester continues to look after that second game back from the injured list. And from other perspectives, I guess I'm just continuing to monitor that bullpen. They threw a lot of innings in that 15-game set or 15 innings set against the Diamondbacks. So maybe we see, uh, I don't know, Ryan go down one day. We don't know. We don't know what's going to happen, even though they do have that off day. We'll we'll be monitoring that. So Corey, anything else you're looking for in this weird two-game set in Seattle? Well, firstly, make sure you check on if something did indeed happen to Chatwood. It it looked like he you know, didn't feel super comfortable. And then obviously they yeah. went to the bullpen. It looks like a leg injury but or something. But I cannot kind of check that at the moment yeah. as some of us are recording this and trying to avoid Game of Thrones spoilers. Uh, so I don't know. <laughs> it's possible that they have updated on that. I admittedly Corey have no is idea. not all in for the podcast, apparently. No, I'm just giving you crap. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I will ask, Brendan, I'm just curious. Am I the only person that when you said that game on Wednesday is, uh, yeah. you know, starting at like three-ish in Seattle? We'll, we'll, we'll see exactly how it goes. But am I the only person who their first thought is, huh, we might get some, you know, kind of sunset dusk photos of John Lester on the mound and that... You're so weird. That's going to be... I, that so literally weird. was my first thought. Like, ooh, I bet there's going to be some good pictures from that game. You're so weird, man. Sorry. Like, um, and just, you know, just, just uh, to paint a better picture here, I want to I want to just give this to the listeners. So I get a nice high resolution photo of John Lester walking to the bullpen at Wrigley Field. And that, that's what Corey sends me in his spare time. Which, by the way, that is a very fantastic. beautiful photo if I, if I say so myself. Yeah. I'm just saying it's kind of weird how you're just looking for these you know these photos of John Lester but it is what it is well, I wasn't necessarily looking for it it was a photo from Stephen Green uh, at S Green photo I believe on Twitter and Instagram he's the official photographer for the Cubs a lot I mean, of those shots it was it was that, a it, it was a it's a pretty picture if I say it's so a glorious myself. picture it's it's just Lester it walking is, to is. the bullpen pregame with the Wrigley Field scoreboard in the background it just kind of was like you know uh, the quintessential like John Lester Wrigley Field shot. I will say, I think Tommy Hadovy's in the background. I wish that he was not and that it was just well, He Lester. was blurred out. I mean, 
Yeah, it's, I guess it wasn't noticeable. You could probably photoshop that out for me, but um, yeah, if but you want me to, just well. since we were talking about it, uh, you should follow Stephen um, Stephen Green. Uh, I think a lot of those pictures that you know the Cubs use on Twitter and Instagram, I believe those are uh, at s green photo shots, but. As far as this series, I just keep it going, man. I mean, this team is playing really well. They're, they're racking up these series wins. They've been playing teams that are winning, and they're going in and taking the series. And, uh, you know, like like we've said, you know, they lose the first game of this series to the Diamondbacks, but find a way to still take two out of three. And I'm not looking at it, so this is totally uh, just anecdotal, Brendan, but I never expect good things to happen at Chase Field, ever. So no. when they lose this first game and Hendricks isn't good, I, I'm just thinking, you know what, like, let's just get through this with nobody getting injured, as we've seen guys do in this, you know, where another warehouse of a stadium uh, before. Let's just get through it. This place is always a nightmare for the Cubs, like whatever. And they turn it around. They, you know, they kick the Diamondbacks around on Saturday and they stick with this one on Sunday. And, you know, for both teams, the Diamondbacks and Cubs, there were plenty of moments where they could have let the game just get away from them. You get in those late innings and it's, you know, the, these weird situations. You've got pitchers <laughs> hitting, uh, all sorts of stuff. And, you know, the Cubs stick with it on the road and manage to take two of three from a good team. So, yeah, like you said, Seattle's now. been playing well. It's always fun when the Cubs go to ballparks that they don't often visit. I think that it's just, you know, always cool to see them in different ballparks. And, and it, I do like Seattle, too. I don't know what it is. I just like the way it looks. Yeah, and and it's just different. Yeah, it's cool. You know, we watch so many games a year in, uh, you know, disgusting Miller Park, disgusting, uh, boring Bush Stadium, you know, that it it's nice. You just get a little uh, change of pace, you know, because obviously they can't play every game uh, at the most beautiful place on earth, Wrigley Field. So it's nice to, you know, get a, a little change of pace in there. So yeah, I, I'm just looking for this to keep going. I, you know, obviously we'll be watching, uh, not just because I'm uh, obsessed with him, but, you know, Lester's still working back from that injury. Obviously he was on a pitch count in that first start. I don't necessarily expect him to be uh, in this one, though, you know, I you know wouldn't think that they're going to let him go like 120 or anything like that. Um, but, you know, just seeing how he is, I thought he was very good in that return. And, you know, hopefully he's able to continue that and continue to look good. Uh, but yeah, I mean, just just keep the ball rolling here. They, they've been playing very, very well since, uh, you know, getting back home and kind of putting that beginning of, of, of the season behind them. And I, they, they look like a different team. They've been playing like a different team. Let's- One last thought before you sign off here. I, I almost forgot it, but I do want to mention it. The the dynamics right now between Wilson Contreras and Taylor Davis, I think is worth monitoring just because Wilson basically played almost exclusively every day outside of that U Darvish start. So he's getting like even more playing time than he did last year. So I think it's worth monitoring just because Look, Wilson's playing well offensively, and you want to keep him well-rested to some degree. And with Taylor Davis, the bat's not there. But I do want to mention the defense looked really good for Davis when he was catching you, Darvish. And you have to ask yourself the question, why is Taylor Davis still on this team? And he was getting praise even by Jed Hoyer exclusively in that pitch receiving category. And I think it was on display with you, Darvish, who, 
I mean, to be fair, Wilson's had difficulty catching the guy this entire year. I think uh, if you look at the actual you know, probability of a strike, his zone is smaller. You Darvish's zone is smaller this year than it was in previous years. So I think with Taylor Davis, it might be worth monitoring who he catches going forward, especially someone like you Darvish, who is hard to catch. Maybe like for the short term, Taylor Davis is you Darvish's personal catcher, maybe. But I also bring it up too, just because maybe we'll see Taylor Davis a little bit more just to give Wilson more breathing room because I think he does need it. I don't yeah. think any of us would want to see him kind of just disappear in the second half like he did last year. So that's my one thing I'm looking forward to is just how is Wilson going to be used? How often and to what role and what level will Taylor Davis be used uh, to give Wilson that break, Corey? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, I, I agree with, with all of that. I, I, I tweeted this out that at the very least, I appreciated uh, you know, that Davis was quiet back there for Darvish, yeah. giving him a very, very soft, clear, early target. Uh, and I think, you know, look, like for better or worse, like whether it's the way it should be or not, at least right now, especially when he's battling command, anything that helps Darvish, you know, be able to envision that strike zone and, and locate, you know, I think helps. And But you're totally right. Like, you know, when Caratini went <laughs> down, you. this was literally Taylor Davis's first start. Like, so Wilson Contreras has played every game since Caratini went down. And that was what? In that, that Pirate series? That's that was that saying. Quintana shutout that we were doing live, right? Right. And just, and just to go in there too, like Taylor Davis caught a two-hitter against Diamondbacks. Like Taylor Davis called a great game. Yeah. I mean, it was a good, just, it was a good combo. It out there. Yeah, a yeah. good combo. And I, I do think, you know, especially because we, we, gave so much credit to Darvish for staying calm, working through the early command, you know, getting himself in jams, but getting out. You do also want to tip your hat to the catcher. The catcher plays a role in keeping his pitcher focused, calling those pitches, calling, you know, setting the spots and locations. So yeah, look, I like, I think that, you know, this is uh, similar to other spots. Like, you know, we certainly were not big fans of Taylor Davis being the third available catcher uh, for this team. It it, it didn't to me and, you know, maybe still doesn't seem like uh, a spot a championship hopeful team would be in. Uh, but Taylor got in there on Saturday and I thought he did a really good job. So, you know, a yeah. tip of the hat to him and yeah, it'll be interesting to see going forward. But but definitely like Wilson cannot be playing every single day. I think we know that that's just not good for him. I mean, and even just common sense would tell you that. Like it's a lot to be the catcher. Uh, I, you know, was not a baseball player myself, but I'm able to understand the difference between being the catcher or, you know, being the first baseman, for example. It's a lot. And (laughs) with Wilson's bat going the way it is, you want to do everything you possibly can to keep it that way and and not let, uh, you know, something else kind of drag that down. So yeah, interesting to monitor go monitor going forward. But I think that's all we have for you. Uh, it was another successful weekend. I, I can say really unequivocally that these uh, podcasts after the Cubs are winning series, a lot more fun than, uh, for example, like after that Atlanta series or that Brewers series. Crazy opinion, but I prefer it when the Cubs win. You know that that's just and we, who I we am. almost live recorded too during, during this. Game. This would have been I interesting swear. today. Yeah, I mean, if we would have been. Gave up we would have had to off. keep the podcast going for like literally three hours. Right. Uh, so that would have been interesting. But uh, imagine if that walk off that that 
Nick Ahmed fly we ball. We would have redone it. There, there would have been, <laughs> been no way I would have been <laughs> it able to talk been, through No that, doubt would have been the first explicit content. Yeah, there's just no, no way. Uh, I would have just been staring at the microphone for a, a while. The podcast would have ended on that note. We would have ended it right there. Yeah, but uh, alas, again, the Cubs winning two of three from the Diamondbacks here. I, I will throw out a, a quick note. Uh, there's frogs in the backyard here. If you've heard them for like the last 15 minutes, hopefully Hopefully you didn't, uh, but that's what it is. They come out. Well, at I'm night. so good at post editing this, Corey. Don't worry about it. I got you. Hopefully, but I, I just figured I would mention it, you know, and then you guys don't have to wonder what is that noise in the background when Corey's talking. Um, frogs, and they're very small, but they make a very powerful noise. Uh, so that's just what that is. But anyway, enjoy the off day. I think uh, you know, like I was saying about the Cubs winning, these off days are a lot easier to stomach when the Cubs don't play uh, after they win a 15-inning game and win the series uh, rather than the alternative. I think Monday would have really stunk if uh, that Nick Ahmed ball had gotten out or, you know, they had lost that game earlier. So I'm appreciative for that. I hope you guys enjoy the off day. Uh, Take a breather. The Cubs are playing well. Soak it in a little bit. And, you know, then uh, hopefully an interesting couple games in Seattle with the Mariners. Of course, we will talk to you guys. Uh, We will record Wednesday night after the Cubs and Mariners finish up that brief two-game set, and then we will get you ready for a big weekend series next weekend. As always, we thank you guys for listening. Brendan is at Cubs Related on Twitter. I am at CF Cubs Related on Twitter. Cubs Related is the Instagram handle. That is uh, almost always me speaking on there and posting on there. If you want to slide into those DMs, you are more than welcome to. Um, We are at Real Cubs Insider on Twitter and Instagram. CubsInsider.com, you can find a lot of Brendan's writing. I don't really know how to string words together uh, when typing them, but sometimes I post things on there. I'm the person tweeting from Real Cubs Insider, if you're uh, wondering about that. And I think that's where you can find us. Uh, So other than that, as always, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Spreaker, as always, if we're not somewhere that you prefer to get your podcast, there's a lot of these, uh, you know, kind of random apps out there. Uh, I think usually we have the ability to get on there, uh, but you just got to let us, let us know and we will do our best. Uh, other than that, I think that's all we have for you. As always, we thank you guys for listening very much, your feedback, your participation, and more than anything, uh, your listenership. So thank you very much for that. We will talk to you after the Cubs and Mariners finish up. And as always, go Cubs. Our homes today are like little cities full of different internetting boroughs, like the entertainment district in the living room or the virtual fitness center in the garage. And Xfinity Internet keeps it all running smoothly with reliable speed to power all your devices at once. You get coverage around town from the financial district home office to the spa. Xfinity Internet keeps your little city humming with reliable speed and coverage. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Find great offers and value today from Xfinity. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY to learn more. Restrictions apply. It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice-cold Coca-Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, 
Grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.